Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast with Brother Joe Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Now, here's your host. Hey folks, good morning and welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. My name is Joe Russiello and uh, I will be your host and your Bible teacher for, oh, I'd say about the next hour today. Uh, wow, we had a, a busy week since uh, we met last. Uh, what did we do? Well, we, uh, we launched a website, uh, so you can find us now on the web at Ephesians516.org. Ephesians516.org. Now, just keep in mind that it's a site that's under construction right now, so it's not fully loaded with content yet. But we do have some basics up there. Uh, you can There's a player on the website that you can listen to uh, the most recent podcast. Uh, we also have links on the website homepage to, um, to uh, uh, Spotify, Anchor, and Spreaker. So those are the three places that you're able to hear the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And uh, we're excited about that. And um, so if you could, uh, if you have anybody you could share the information with that they could, uh, they could tune in. We're working on setting up a subscription or a newsletter type thing. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And hopefully we can get that launched uh, sometime in the uh, near future. But, you know, we'll see. It's all in the Lord's timing and how he has it planned out for us. So um, I'm going to ask you also to forgive me for my voice. I I have a kind of a sore sore voice today. Um, not sure exactly why or what happened. Didn't do any shouting or screaming today or for anything like that. But just kind of scratchy. So I'll be drinking a lot of water as we as we go through the lesson today. So I'm going to ask you to forgive me uh, for that as we go through. Um, so what else? We also have a, a Twitter presence now. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the S O T S podcast. That's uh at the SOTS podcast. You would not be shocked, well, you would be shocked, rather, to find out how many Sword of the Spirit podcasts there are (laughs) on Twitter. And um, so, but we were able to get a a tag like that, so we appreciate that and we're thankful for it. So if you're uh, on Twitter, if you have a presence on Twitter yourself, you could find us there at the SOTS podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll be uploading or uh, posting, rather, uh, updates whenever we have a a new episode available. Uh, Also, we are working out a schedule where we can get these um, uh, podcasts uploaded uh, on a regular basis. This way, uh, there's no guesswork involved, so you could just jump on the sites and and listen in whenever you can. And uh, we're looking to have new episodes uploaded every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time. So... um, so yeah, so that's what we'll be doing, and uh, it's exciting, and we're looking forward to bringing you some really, really good Bible studies, and uh, just purchase some uh, some new microphones and some new software and some new hubs, and we're going to try to get some more things set up here so we could, you know, do some interviews and such. Uh, I would love to get my pastor in here, uh, sit him down and talk to him a little bit, and find out about his ministry and how the Lord has worked through him and the things that he's done, and and uh, get some theological doodlings, uh, as we call them, uh, uh, recorded down. This way, you know, we could share that with you. 
Also, uh, speaking of my pastor, actually, you know, so he told me, uh, well, he told the whole church uh, that he had listened in on the last couple of podcasts that I had uploaded. And he said that uh, I sounded like grandpa sitting in his rocking chair handing out milk and cookies. Yeah, I I don't know how to take that. (laughs) I really don't. Um, But be that as it may, I appreciate that he listened in and I'm thankful that he had some good feedback for me. Um, so, uh, before we get into the study this morning, we're going to be getting into the uh, book of first Thessalonians. Uh, this is, uh, a study that I've done with my teen group at our church and it was a blessing to do it there. And I'm trusting and hoping that'll be a blessing for you as well. So before we get into the study, if you would, uh, why don't you go grab a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, grab your Bible, sit down and relax while you listen to this song And then when we come back, we'll get into the study. Soon to call is Christ my King. That sacred Lamb, His praises sing. And just the thought of His own glory, my feeble mind, it cannot see then soon to come the king of kings in vengeance from eternity and on his cloud I'll shout and sing oh Jesus Christ most holy from Calvary's cross to hell below with captives free how far he'd go to save the lost and perishing now through his blood stand redeemed and soon to come the Lord of Lords and from his mouth a two-edged sword with foes all slain in peace he'll reign which was and is and is to come which was and is and is to come all right folks welcome back to the sword of the spirit podcast well once again my name is joe russiello and uh, i'll be with you for the next hour as your bible teacher So hopefully you took the uh, few minutes that we were away to uh, grab yourself that coffee, grab yourself that water, and more importantly, grab that Bible. And uh, if you would, take it and open it up to the book of 1 Thessalonians. That'll be the book of 1 Thessalonians. Sorry. So um, as I said earlier, we uh, this was a series or or part of a series that I started with um, my teen group at church. uh, the, the five T's we called it. The you know we studied First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and then Titus. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, so you might be asking, well, why is it important to study these books? Well, you know, first of all, it's important that, that, um, that you study every book of the Bible. And secondly, uh, these specific books were written in a chronological order. You know, the entire New Testament's in a chronological order. And as you go through the Pauline epistles, um, uh, these are the last books. And then there's Philemon on top of that, um, of his epistles to the church. Um, and what these books characterize are what we as believers need to be thinking about, especially in these last days. Uh, and before we're done with this series, you know, we're going to read things like, uh, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You know, we're going to read a lot about the last days and what our hope should be, what our anticipations should be, what our behavior should be. You know, all of these things are going to be considered as we work through these five really wonderful books. Uh, before we start, though, in First Thessalonians, let's go back to the foundation stone in Acts chapter 17, and let's find out how this church has launched, okay? Um, I mean, I love to hear about churches getting started. So take your Bibles and go back to uh, Acts chapter 17, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 1. Um, and like I said, you know, I love to hear about churches getting started. I believe in planting churches. You know, it's exciting work. Uh, I love to read about, um, I, I love to read about it biblically. I love to read about it historically. You know, I love to hear about missionaries starting churches. You know, that's God's plan. It's not anybody else's idea, not, not by a long shot. You know, so now in Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, and we're going to look at verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, as his manner was. All right, Paul, whenever he got to town, he was going to find somewhere where he could get an audience. All right, that was just part of his spiritual DNA. He said, you know, I've got to find somewhere where I can get an audience. Well, the place that he found most available to him in that regard was the local Jewish synagogue. Right? Makes sense. So there he went. Now, he knew ahead of time that he was not always going to be well received in a Jewish synagogue, uh, especially when he was essentially preaching a message that the Jews weren't interested in receiving. But what did he do? Well, he went anyway. Right? The righteous are as bold as a lion, the Bible says. Well, he went, and he went, and he went. You know, sometimes you're going to be faced with circumstances where you're going to be in a situation where um, where you know that people aren't going to want to talk about, you know, religion. You know, uh, that's the buzzword these days for the gospel, you know. But be bold, be bold. Uh, let's look at verse 3. Uh, Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Well, what, what Paul did was walk them through a lot of Old Testament passages pointing to the advent of Messiah, pointing to the Christ, and then simply trying to convince them that Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. Verse 4, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. All right, now, these Greeks were obviously in the synagogue, they were Jewish proselytes. Uh, they're Gentiles that converted to the Jewish religion, but you know, but they many you know many times more 
are many times they're more open-minded than people that are born and raised into it. Um, they're willing to think about it and ponder it more. Um, when you're dealing with someone about the gospel and their soul and someone says, well, you know, I, I was born a Catholic, so I'm going to stay a Catholic. Or you'll hear, you know, I was born a Baptist, so I'm going to stay a Baptist. I was born or whatever it is and, and, and whatever it is they were born, you know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When people say those kinds of things, it takes a lot for me to repress my sarcasm. You know, I do. I try anyway. On most occasions, I'm, su I'm successful. Occasionally, I'm not. Um, I mean, does that mean that you were born an idiot and you're going to stay an idiot? You know, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, uh, all right, never mind. Verse five, before I get in trouble. Verse five, but the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all about the city, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Moved with envy, it says. Moved with envy. And that's a fairly common occurrence, wouldn't you say? You know, when the gospel is penetrating people's minds and hearts, and people are coming to the Lord, there are always going to be adversaries out there that are, that are going to be um, opposed to the success of the gospel. And they're going to be opposed to the extent that they'll try and move against the entire event that's taking place. And this here is no exception. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. The adversaries are always, always given to exaggeration, aren't they? Always. I mean, they really, can't, they, they really hadn't turned the world upside down. Right? I mean, far from it. But they were making a noise in the city that was stirring, and that and that what was going on. All right? Uh, but the adversary said, but they've turned the world upside down. You know, anytime you have a fervent witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, someone will exaggerate about you. But just don't get upset about it. You know, take it as a compliment. Say, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, thank God it must be working. It must be working. Now, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. So the attempt is to make a political crisis out of it. You know, people say there are two things I don't want to talk about, religion and politics. But you know something? If you don't want to talk about religion and politics, then you're probably one of the dullest people on the planet, honestly. Because, because those are the two things that drive more realistic conversation in the world than anything else. Here, they tried to make a political thing out of it. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and the, and the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas, sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Well, here, Paul's a slow learner, all right? Either that or he's just, just determined, all right? He's going into trouble He's going to get into trouble in the synagogue in Thessalonica. So the brethren kind of rally around him with a little bit of support. And they say, well, you know, you know, we have to get you out of here in the dark of night because things are about to bust open and it ain't going to be pretty. So they shipped him out by night to Berea. So they sent Paul away. They sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. I mean, I mean, really. Paul just could not help himself. He couldn't help himself. You know, and good for him. 
Good for him. He cannot help himself. He's absolutely driven and motivated to get the gospel out any way he can. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. I love that passage. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So this is the Bereans. Now, consequently, and I suppose justifiably so, if you looked around, you've probably seen a church called the Berean Church or the uh, Berean Baptist Church or the Berean whatever church, right? You've seen those. There's a lot of churches that have capitalized on this name in America. Well, why is that? Well, they were more noble. Well, how is that? They searched the scriptures daily. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul of Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Man, the adversaries just don't go away, do they? They certainly do not. They are always going to be around somewhere. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come with him, to come to him with all speed, they departed. So Paul, so Paul gets to Athens, and what does he do? Well, he stirs up trouble all over again, right? You know what Paul was? Paul was a troublemaker, just a big troublemaker. Anytime you harp and camp on the gospel like he did, you'll find some trouble somewhere. All right, so now that's the background for this church, the launching, the initiation uh, for this church at Thessalonica. And then not too long after that, Paul writes them a letter. All right, so let's go back to uh, First, Thessal First Thessalonians. All right, we're going to go back to First Thessalonians. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be drinking some water here throughout as, through the lesson. I don't know why, but <clears throat> my throat is extremely scratchy and dry and very uncomfortable at the moment. Mm. So I apologize for drinking water while we're uh, doing the study here. All right, so let's get back to 1 Thessalonians in verse 1. 1 Thessalonians, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all. Now, you'll notice here that Paul was a southerner, being from the tribe of Benjamin, right? And of course, in the original uh, plenary, verbally inspired city index, it's y'all, you know, Y-A-W-L, y'all, you'll get it, don't worry, just think about it. Uh, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, words mean things, and uh, prepositions are important, right? Notice in verse 1, the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church wasn't of God, the Father, or of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was in, in. The church is not a social organization, Okay, it's a spiritual organism. It is in God. It is in Jesus Christ. And it's composed of people who, uh, who God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light, as Peter put it. So the church, the real church, and the real church doesn't necessarily have to have a particular denominational name to it either. 
All right. The church, the church is a body of believers. It doesn't matter what the name tag is. You know, some people put a great priority on titles. You know, a lot of my Baptist brethren are really hung up on that. And I understand where they're coming from. I do. I mean, honestly, I do. I was saved through a Baptist church ministry. I got saved by, after listening to a radio broadcast back in New York City where the uh, the Bible teacher, the pastor hosting the show, uh, was preaching a message on hell and who's going there. And at the end of every sentence, I just felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Joe, I'm talking to you. Joe, Joe, this is for you, Joe, Joe. You know, and then that, that led me to um, to reach out to that that uh, that pastor and to meet up with him and for him to present the gospel to me and to lead me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got saved July 20th of 2000. So um, I was saved through a Baptist church ministry, that radio program. I was educated in a Baptist Bible Institute. I was called to preach and I was called to teach in a Baptist church. So I get all of that. I do. But folks, you know, I can't find one place in the Bible where God refers to a Baptist church. I can't find one place where he refers to a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or even a Catholic church. I can't find one place in the Bible that makes any reference to any one of those types of churches. But Paul incessantly talks about the church. And inevitably, the church is always connected to a geographical location. So it was the, the church at, at Thessalonica. It's the church at Ephesus. It's the church at Rome. It's the church at Colossae, and so on. Uh, um, and, and do you know what this is? Where we are here? Like, if you're, like where, where you live, if you're in a Bible-believing church, you would be the church of wherever it is you live. The church that I'm a member of here would be the church at Eagle Pass. All right, it's a church, and that's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be anything else. It doesn't need to have any particular title or name. All right, so this calling. God calls a church in Christ, in God. Well, common sense would tell you that it can't, it can't be in God unless the members of the church are in Christ. Therefore, any man who is in Christ... Any, therefore, any man who is in Christ, in Christ, I lost my place in my notes, I'm sorry. Uh, therefore, any man who is in Christ. Uh, so we have many passages that talk about the believer being in Christ, in Jesus Christ. So it's a body of believers that are in Jesus Christ and, and in God the Father through Jesus Christ. So the church, the church is God's idea. The church isn't my idea. I'm not that smart. I wouldn't I would never even think of it. It's God's idea. Now some people say, well, I just don't believe in organized religion. And I remind people that tell me that that the uh the church is God's idea, and what you're trying to tell me is that you're smarter than God. Christians spend way too much time on the defensive. Amen. You know, we're like we act like scared rabbits sometimes. You know, but the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And honestly, I would rather play offense than defense. Occasionally, the defense scores a point. Once in a while, a cornerback or a safety will, you know, intercept a pass and run it back for a quick six. But, you know, you're not going to win a game unless you've got some running backs, unless you have some wide receivers and a quarterback, you know? A good offense, a good offense. All right, you have to have some offense. 
So go on the offense. Don't let people get away with that nonsense when they come to you with that. You know, hold their feet to the fire in a nice way. You don't have to be snarly about it. Um, you know, we try to be nice people, right? I try to be a nice person. Be nice. But at the same time, in a nice kind of way, you could say you're an idiot. I mean, no, don't do that. All right? Don't say that. Don't say that. All right? The church of God is God's idea. The church is God's idea. So the vast majority of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote are to churches. Right? I mean, he wrote a handful to individuals, but the majority of them are to a church, to a church somewhere, starting with Romans and going all the way through. All right? Uh, let's get back to the text. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So do you know what's incredible about this? Uh, these people are baby Christians. That's right. These people are baby Christians. Paul wrote this letter just a few months after the events that we just looked at in Acts chapter 17, after the launching of this church. These people weren't um, theologically grounded or educated. All right? They didn't have a lot of doctrine under their belts or, or, or really any Christian experience. And yet, their faith was well spoken of to the extent that Paul commends them on it. And he says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So our work should be of faith. I'm trusting God by faith to do something. Amen? Whatever it is that we're about. So the proper motive for our labor should be love and the patience of hope rests in the fact that Christ is coming again. He is coming again. Go with me, speaking of faith, go with me to keep, and uh, keep your finger here, but go over to Romans chapter 14. Okay, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14.23 For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So in other words, our lives ought to be predicated. All of our behaviors and actions ought to be determined by faith. Simple things. Faith. And sometimes we have to have faith in human beings, but ultimately our faith is in God. You know, I went to the dentist not too long ago, and he started poking around in my mouth, and he told me that I needed a root canal and all that stuff. All right? It's a simple thing. It really is. It's a simple thing, but it's an operation of faith. You know, I'm trusting that this guy knows what he's doing. You get me? When it comes to, when it comes to particularly in our spiritual life, the whole thing is determined on faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin well these people's faith had developed and grown to such an extent that other areas and people were talking about it man these people have great faith you know tremendous faith oh that god would allow that to be said about us and our faith great faith first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 let's go back Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, 
For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now, there are always some kind of, there are always some folk out there that trip out, they throw a rod, they blow a piston every time they encounter the word predestination or election or, or anything like that. And, and, you know, fortunately, and I say fortunately, most of you have no idea about what I just said. Now, I'm sure a few of you might, a few of you do, but probably most of you don't. And believe me, you're better off. I mean, really, you are. You're better off not knowing, you know, what uh, all the heresy that floats around out there. You're just better off. But in the event that you've been exposed to it, and I don't know, maybe you're listening and you, you're an adherent of it. Uh, let me just briefly address it and then we'll move on, okay? Uh, there's some people st- stemming from a guy way back by the name of John Calvin, and that doctrine today is generally known as Calvinism, all right? Um, and they believe uh, that whoever is going to be saved, that that whole scenario is predestinated before the foundation of the world and that God went through the picking and choosing thing and he said, him, uh, him, her, mm, not him, him, not her, and so on, right? Well, so then it's predetermined and that is pre and, and that's predestination or election, all right? But when you really study the doctrine, when you really study it, Election always takes place in time, not in eternity. Election didn't take place back before the foundation of the world. You know, now the one passage that they try to use to, to and they try to substantiate that is over in Ephesians chapter one. So why don't you flip over there with me to Ephesians chapter one? Okay. Uh, while you're turning there, I mean, do you know why men seek to get rid of the free will of mankind in the Bible? Do you know why? It's because they're lazy, no good rascals. That's why. They don't want to have anything to do with witnessing, and they don't want to have anything to do with with seeing people get saved. That's the whole bottom line. That really is. Now, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. But what did God determine before the foundation of the world? Well, here's what he determined. That whoever's in Christ should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what was determined before the foundation of the world. Now, think of it this way. The Calvinist believes in the total depravity of man. Right? They acknowledge that. That's the first point on TULIP. T-U-L-I-P. All right, that acronym is an expression of their five points of theology. Their five points of Calvinism is tulip. Uh, so they would acknowledge that man is depraved. All right, I'm not going to go into what tulip is because I'm not here teaching Calvinism. All right, I'm re- I'm refuting Calvinism. All right, but tulip. Th- then they would acknowledge that man is depraved. Now, if you were chosen before the foundation of the world, then you were in Christ before the foundation of the world. But then you were in Adam. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 
So you had to fall out of Christ and fall into Adam and fall back into Christ. Are you with me? Do you follow me? I'll run through it one more time. Okay. If you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be a child of God, to be saved, that means that you were in Christ before the foundation of the world. Okay. You still with me? But then we all fell into sin. So is it possible for you to fall out of Christ and into Adam, into sin, and then back into Christ? Because that's the process that would have to take place. Are you with me? I mean, it's obviously not true. And it's not possible. So suffice it to say, election is always in time, not in eternity. Your election in Christ is predicated on one thing, and one thing alone. Your willingness to receive him as your savior. You know, you need to throw your hat into the ring in order to get elected, right? You've received him? Good. You're part of the elect now because you've received him. God doesn't hold a gun to anybody's head and make them get saved. For whosoever will may come, the Bible says. God gave you a choice. God gave you a choice. Do you remember when you were at that crossroad of decision? I clearly remember when I was at that crossroad of decision. I clearly had a choice. I could say yes, or I could say no. And I am so thankful that I said yes. But you know what? Nobody forced me to say yes. And the Holy Spirit was working overtime. You know, the Holy, the Holy Spirit has to work overtime on an Italian from New York City. You know, uh, he, was, he was working overtime, but he didn't make me. So that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that right now. All right. And we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to move on with verse five in First Thessalonians chapter one. My soul cries out, O Lord, how long till my toiling ends and you call me home. Since I caught a glimpse of my home in the sky, Nothing in this world keeps me satisfied. Is that the lights of home I see? Do I feel a breeze from the crystal sea? Is that my Lord standing high on heaven's balcony? If that's the lights of home, it's a welcome sight to me. Seems I can hear the angels sing with harps of gold and a thousand strings earth holds no charm when i hear their song 
folks welcome back to the sword of the spirit podcast my name is joe russiello and we're going to get right back into the study here we're going to move on to first thessalonians chapter one and verse number five i'm hoping that um that explanation that i gave you previously was uh you know before the break was uh was easily understood it can be a little complicated you know it really can and um 
you know, uh, it's it's a very very tricky subject. I bumped heads with many 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 uh, folks that hold on to that, you know, for dear life. It just doesn't make any sense according to scripture, though. All right, First Thessalonians chapter one, and we'll pick it up in verse five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So Paul is simply reminding these folks at Thessalonica. Uh, he said, I preached to you and it came in word, but um, that's not the only way it came. It also came in great power. You know, gospel preaching, real gospel preaching, <clears throat> excuse me. Real gospel preaching has an element of power to it that cannot be thoroughly described or understood by anyone who hasn't been on the receiving end of it. You know, it's one thing to sit in a classroom and listen to a teacher drone on and on and on about whatever. You know, I've spent a lot of time in classrooms in my life. And, you know, I say drone on because some were boring and some weren't. Some were quite good. But in all of my experience of classroom learning, never one time, never one time, that I fall under conviction about my sin. Not once. I had a great professor in college. He made history come alive. All right? Uh, he made history something really, really special. But all the time that he was talking about the battles of antiquity and, and all the things that he rehearsed to us, not one time did I sit there in that classroom and say, man, my heart feels heavy. I am under a deep conviction here. Not once. Even though there was a lot of valuable information that was being portrayed, uh, you know, never once did I feel that sense of, of conviction. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, probably not. We only recently met. But uh, I'm a news junkie. All right? And, 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 uh, of all, but of all the times that I've sat in front of the television and I watched the news, you know, when, back when the news was more reliable, uh, not one time did, did Hannity or Levin run through one of their dialogues and did I say, you know, oh boy, man, that got me. That hit me you know, right here in the heart. You know what got me though? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what got me. That's power. There's power connected with that thing. All right, verse six, verse six. Sorry about that. I had a mute for a second. I was going into a little bit of a coughing fit. Um, verse six, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So Paul reminds us, uh, reminds them, I should say, that they followed him and his instructions. Three times, three times in his epistles, he said, "Be ye followers of me, even as I follow Christ." People say, "Well, you know, I just don't follow a man." Of course they do. Of course they do. You hear so many things that people say and they're just they're just like parroting what they heard someone else said. You know, it's not necessarily wrong to follow the teachings of a teacher as long as those teachings are built upon Jesus Christ. Be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say you can go along with any you can go along with any man along the right road as long as he stays on the right road. You must part company. If he goes on the wrong road, the right road leads out of the right place, out, uh, out at the right place. So, <clears throat> so Paul said, you followed us, you followed the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction. 
You know, it wasn't always easy for these folks. They had some some head-on encounters that were disturbing and not necessarily delightful. And yet they did it with joy in the Holy Ghost. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, all of the new Bibles are trying to help God out. And the word in sample, well, that's an old word, okay? And you know we don't want that anymore, so it's always changed to example. Now, your old King James Bible is familiar with the word example, all right? It uses it on various places, okay? It uses it sometimes. But words are but but words are in there all right both words are in there example and a, and and sample so what's the difference well honestly it's really simple and and sample is just one step closer to the real deal all right and i don't think they do this anymore but i don't know how many of you remember uh when they would send out in the mail samples of shampoo or toothpaste and things like that how many of you have gone to the doctor and he gave you a sample of a medication or of a lotion or, or something like that? And he said, well, here, this is new that just came out with this, blah, 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 blah. That's a sample. It's not like the real stuff. It is the real stuff, just in a small quantity. That's an ensample, as opposed to an example. An example is like the real stuff, but a sample is the real deal. So he said, so that ye were in samples. So they were the real deal to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So these people, even though they were new Christians, were a great encouragement and and fortification to the faith of others in the region. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, but Achaia, and also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. So they were an exemplary people. They not only followed Paul, but they followed churches. And that's interesting. Go with me to chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians, in verse 14. Chapter 2 and verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So now the first church that we have any record of was, of course, in Jerusalem. But then that spread to a place called Antioch. And it was out of Antioch that Paul and others were commissioned to the mission field to go forth from there. And then it spread out from there. Uh, Some of the old churches back in Jerusalem and in Antioch were examples to the new churches. So they, they followed the old churches. You see, it's the responsibility of the church to be an example to other churches, and I'm talking the physical church, all right? A lot of people, and, and, and this kind of bothers me, this bothers me, a lot of people kind of view the church as just another club. You know, it's like the it's like the lions or the eagles or the bats or the bees or whatever. You know, it's just another club. It's a place for social gathering. But that's not it at all. Um, our church, your church, is responsible to be an example to other churches, you know, however and wherever they are and however and whatever we can, how, in whatever way we can be. You know, it may be in our immediate region or it may be around the world in the mission field. The church that I was part of back in New York, it was a church not much bigger than the church I'm in now. Um, not much different than ours, you know, but we committed 
$20,000 to help build a church in Africa. You know, we would send them checks in like $5,000 increments and they would send us back pictures and reports and financials showing, showing their progress and we would send them another payment. And the pastor there was very faithful in that. And he would send us letters and in his letters he would remind us of how that little church in Staten Island, New York was a great example of faith to believers in Zambia, Africa. That's what we're supposed to be. All right, verse 9. Verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They were an enthusiastic people. They had just been saved only a few months, but they were really out there witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were an expectant people. They were an expectant people also. So Paul says, Ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, some idols are subtle. Some are covert. You know, they're not easily identified. You know, some idols. But I would say that virtually every unsaved person has an idol. It may be gold or wood or stone, uh, uh, a statue in the corner of their house. Uh, they might light candles to it, ring bells in front of it, or, or things like that. But an idol is anything that esteems a higher priority than Almighty God in the life of that individual. You know, it could be a piece of property, it could be a house, a vehicle, it could be it could be family, okay? It could be anything. It could be people or multiple people. It could be virtually anything that you want it to be. America has become uh, recreational holics, if I could put it that way. You know, for some for some people, Sunday is for the cowboys. Now, I know that comes as a shock, right? But unfortunately, that's the way it is. But Paul is commending these people because they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Anything is an idol that occupies a place greater of, of greater priority than God in himself in our lives. So it's good to do idol checks, and you should do them frequently. Well, now in verse in verse number 10, verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered from which delivered us from the wrath to come. So just a couple of quick things to bring to your attention here before we conclude. All right, before we finish with these books here, you're going to find the, that the common denominator, the common thread that ties all these books together is that Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. Jesus has not forgotten us. He is coming again. Now, for us as believers, of course, we're waiting for the rapture. But regardless if you're a believer or not, Jesus is coming again. For his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Well, what are we doing? Well, we're waiting, aren't we? Even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, that's a secondary theme in that verse. Delivered us from the wrath to come. There's a there's an increasing doctrine uh, in popularity, and that's trying to convince believers that they're going to go through the tribulation. You know, we call that a, we call that either a mid tribulation rapture or a post tribulation rapture, or in some cases, no rapture at all. But my friends. Be assured of the fact that God's wrath is not presently being distributed on this earth, but it will be in the tribulation. You, as a believer, are not destined to encounter the wrath of God. 
Now, he's going to remind us of that periodically as we go through these books. The tribulation is a time of God's wrath. That's what it is. And if you don't believe it, just read the book of Revelation. God is pouring out his wrath on a lost, Christ-rejecting mankind. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, there's a door that opens in heaven and something goes up. That's the rapture of the church. In Revelation 19, a door in, heaven's opens, a door in heaven opens again, and this time Jesus Christ on a white horse comes down to this earth. That's the second advent of Jesus Christ. In between those chapters, Revelation 4 and 19, God walks you through the tribulation four times. He gives you four different pictures or assessments of, of, of that thing in those chapters. Well, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? He gives you four pictures of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, doesn't he? In those four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So four times he shows you about the wrath of God being distributed on this earth. In all of those chapters, not one time, not one time is the word love stated, suggested, or implied. Not once. Compassion? No. Love? No. Grace? No. Mercy? No. It's not there. I would call that wrath, wouldn't you? Now, fortunately for those hell-bound sinners, there's a little bit of grace in the tribulation. People can still get saved in the tribulation, and that's what the book of Hebrews and James are all about. Tribulation doctrine. But the corporate picture is God's wrath being poured out on the inhabitants of the earth. If you're a believer, if you are a blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing Christian, that's not your destiny. Thank God. You're blown out of here, man. And here's another way of looking at it. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. The church is his bride. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5 makes that abundantly clear. You are the bride. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Now, do you think that you could find a better example for a bridegroom than Jesus Christ? I mean, wouldn't he be the consummate number one eternal good example? Well, he is. Absolutely, he is. Now, what kind of bridegroom would he be if he said to the bride, okay, now I'm just going to have to kick you around almost to the pit of hell for a few years? No. No. His bride is cherished. His bride, his bride is cherished and chosen and loved and, and to be quite honest, spoiled. Thank God. Amen? Thank God. I like it. I do. I like it a lot. He's going to reward with things. He's going to reward you with things that you don't deserve. And I'm liking that better all the time. So you are not going to see the wrath of God. If you're a blood-bought, born-again, saved, Bible-believing Christian, you are not going to see the wrath of God. Now, to be sure, Christians have gone through some tough times. Many, many have been martyred for their faith. Many have been tortured for their faith. Many have gone through some times and, and, and some tough times and will continue to do so. But you can't confuse that with the wrath of God. Because when the wrath of God is unleashed, the rivers and seas turn to blood. Hailstones come down the size of Volkswagens. 
You haven't seen a forest fire like you're going to see in the tribulation. And I can promise you that you haven't seen an earthquake like he describes over in the book of Revelation. I mean, I mean, the wrath of God will be so staggering that the scripture says that the wise men of the world, the rich men, the kings and prime ministers and all the, um, all the political heavyweights will crawl into the caves and cry that the rocks fall upon them that they might be delivered from the wrath of the face of the Son of God. You're not going to experience that. So, if you're storing extra cans of tuna fish for the tribulation, that's okay, all right? You know, but you don't need it for the tribulation. Uh, you might need it for some tough times, but not the tribulation. You know, leave it for whoever gets left behind. You know, you know, just put a little note on it here. Hope you like it, all right? So, um, as we bring this to a close, we're just going to say that, you know, you know, Paul camps here on this theme. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And the Lord is coming. And uh, what, and that's what we need to rehearse in our minds and our hearts on a daily basis. Amen? The Lord is coming. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So we've come to the end of this study. That's pretty much all the time that we have for. We went a little bit longer than we normally would. Um, so, I, folks, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and, and, for, uh, and for checking us out. Once again, if I could just direct to our website, Ephesians516.org. Uh, if you have any questions whatsoever, you could email me directly at joe at Ephesians516.org. Uh, you could also email uh, through the website on our, our last page. There's a contact page. You can fill out the little contact form and hit that send button, and I'll get it. And um, I'll be sure to get back to you. And uh, check us out on Twitter at the SOTS podcast. And just once again, folks, thank you so much for all that, all the support, for all the comments that I have received, and thank you for your prayers. And uh, I hope this study was a, was a blessing to you. We'll pick up chapter two uh, next week. And until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, and good day. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast with Brother Joe Rusiello. Feel free to email any questions or comments you may have to joe at ephesians516.org. May God bless you and good day.